Well, good morning. Do I need to introduce myself after the hostaging and all the rest of that? What's your real name? <laughs> you don't really want to know. It's nice to know your own pastor doesn't want you back, but that's all right. I'm going to agitate him and go back anyway. <laughs> I have known your present pastor for quite a few years, and I am delighted this morning to have the opportunity to serve you. No greater privilege could be afforded to anyone but to offer hope of life, truth, and resurrection. Amen. Amen. So it's good to be with you. I am totally amazed at this, I'm going to call it village. It's a community within a community. I phoned or telephoned my wife last night, told her, you ought to see this place. I said, I've never seen anything quite like it, and they're not done yet. But the greatest thing about it is the gathering you have here this morning. So I'm delighted to be with you and to serve you in ministry. Now, I know you're not acquainted with me, but the fact is, I'm not acquainted with you either. So we'll just have to get accustomed to one another. I am staying in a couple's home. They were very generous. Um, I don't know if they're the one, you're keeping me hostage, John, are you? They're, they're the couple keeping me hostage. So um, I don't know how long I'm going to be there. I asked John if I could spend tonight. I didn't know I was going to be there for longer. But anyway, uh, as you can tell, I'm from old school. The best I can do this morning in change, and I'm not ashamed of change, to adapt to my surroundings is just to remove my coat. I can't go any further than that, so <laughs> I, I will do this. Thank you, sir. Now, don't you take my money that's in it. It's that one right there. There you go. Can I trust this guy? <laughs> Well, I'm not here to entertain you, and I'm sure you don't want to be entertained, but I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you in a capacity that I cherish, because you see, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador from another country, and I'm set on a mission, and I do not have any options as to what I share. I can only give you what my position requires of me, and that is the word of God. So I can't entertain you, I can't thrill you, I hope to inspire you. And I'm going to do that by introducing a text to you this morning. And while we gathered in prayer before the masses of you came in, your pastor touched on my scripture. That gave me a little bit of confirmation that I was on the right vein. Coming into a new place, seeing new faces, being unacquainted with backgrounds, you're always, at least in my position, in a quandary as to what is applicable, what, what is the need. So I'm delighted this morning we have a father that knows every one of our needs. So I'm going to share with you this morning a, passion of, a portion, excuse me, a scripture that is found in the writings of the psalmist. It is the 37th Psalm, only two verses, verse 23 and verse 24. Now, the writer here 
as I've already announced, is the psalmist, and we know that that is David. David is giving us, in a very brief, uh, simplified approach to the entirety of the chaos, confusion, and disruption that had come into his life after being anointed by a prophet by the name of Samuel. David became God's choice to become Israel's king and to say, historically, one of the greatest kings other than his son Solomon that ever ruled among the Israelites. But this man went through a great deal of personal agony, suffering, and rejection to aspire to the position that he was now to hold by being anointed king. Here in these two verses, he gives us a brief synopsis, very brief, because he delivers it all in basically one word, and I want to share it with you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways. Now, I am a teacher, so let me teach you something in case you are not aware of it. In numerous translations of the Bible, there have been changes of words and expressions. That is unfortunate in some areas because one of the things they have done is they left off outside of the uh, King James Version the E-T-H on the end of a word. Now, that may be totally insufficient to you, but it's vital because the E-T-H means continual. So he did not say, and he delights in his ways. The E-T-H means under whatever circumstance, whatever condition, whatever you're going through, whether right or wrong, he delighteth or he continually delights in you. So there isn't anything that you can do on a personal level that will distract the attention of God's love towards you as an individual. Now, I know the enemy would like you to think it can. I think society, in many ways, would want you to think that. But the Lord is saying, I continually delight in you. He delights in us when no one else does, whether it be your spouse, your siblings, your peers, your employer, but we all go through forms of rejection. But God says, I delight in you. And because he delights in you, David was able to go on and give us the rest of the verses. He said, though he fall. Now our subject is still whom? The good man. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly or completely cast down. For here we go again. The Lord upholdeth, or the Lord continually holds him. I am thrilled this morning by understanding of the word and my father, that he holds me in his right hand. Symbolically in the word, the right hand is the hand of authority. It's the hand of power. And the wonderful thing is, he's holding me. I'm not holding him. And the logic of that is, if I were holding him, 
When occasion arises, I could let go. Amen. But the occasion arises, and he never lets go. He's going to continually hold you in his hand. As I've already stated, these verses, David has just simplified, given us an overview of his life when he said steps. So he is talking about his struggles. He's talking about what he has gone through. The fact is, as humans, we all go through something, and we go through it more often than we would even want to. But David is saying, there were lessons that I learned that helped me to become the person that I am, that I would have never achieved this position if it had not been for the ordained will of God to order my steps. I'll stand before you and be honest this morning. The ways that God order are not always pleasant to us. They're not convenient. They're not often comfortable. But the thing about it is, whom the Lord loveth, there's a continual love, he chasteneth. He is a heavenly parent that is concerned over your welfare, not only presently, but eternally. So he will go about whatever procedure is necessary to bring us, as we as parents must do to our children, to help them to understand, to get a grip on life, to grow up to be individuals who are not takers, but givers to society and to need. And our Heavenly Father does the same thing. So we may not like the chastening or the process, but it's necessary because it will produce something in us. So he says, I recall the events. I'm not going to go into detail, but I call, recall the events. And I can only say to you, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Now in studying this verse, I discovered something. The word good there is not in the original manuscript. It is a word that has been interjected because if you read between the lines, it is apparent. But what we are really concerned about, where David is um, concerned, is we are not as interested, um, possibly, in the individual himself as what developed the individual. Because you see, when God chose David, he was nothing other than a shepherd. He attended to a flock of sheep. He lived with them in the fields for days, weeks, and months. He was an individual, though young, he was an individual that loved God and worshiped him. He encountered struggles, even taking care of his sheep. He mastered them by destroying both the devourer of the bear and the lion with his sling. And in that time, he just worshiped God. I don't know what on went, went on in his mind. I don't know what his aspirations were. I don't know if he ever thought he would be anything other than the youngest sibling of the house of Jesse. But you see, God had a destiny for David. And here is the fact that we must realize, regardless of who we are, where we have come from, whether uh, whatever our culture might be, whatever our 
background might be, whatever our nationality might be, whatever tongue that we may have learned and are fluent in, there is no biasness or partiality with God. He has a destiny for each and every one of us. We are not accidents. We are not here to fill space. We're not here to take free air or to entertain ourselves in an easy life. We have a destiny. We have a purpose. We have a goal that God has set. There is something he wants us and only you as an individual can achieve that. But you see, there's got to be changes in us because according to the word and the world in which we live, we have been born in an element called sin. We have been shaped or fashioned in an element called iniquity. That is totally opposite to what God is. So God has got to somehow bring us from what we are to what he wants us to become. And unfortunately, David said, it is steps. It's a process. What brought David from being a shepherd to a king? What qualified him? What was his educational background? What did he have to go through? Well, there are certain routines or customs or training. The Bible says it was God that directed him, took him from seemingly nothing and made something out of him. But it took a lot of hardness, difficulty, separation, rejection, confusion. Read the Psalms. David is open. He's honest. He doesn't hide anything. He'll tell you he didn't like it. He had arguments with God. He was upset over his environment, his situation. He could say like any of us, but did you not anoint me? Did you not choose me? Am I not selected by your choice? It wasn't something I petitioned for. I didn't go out here as a politician and knock on doors and ring doorbells and say, hey, vote for me as king. That was your choice. And if it is your choice, why am I going through what I'm going through? Why am I facing what I'm facing? We face it because there is something within us that has to be retrained. We've got to think differently. We have to respond differently. The fact is, what we do not realize is within us is a potential. A potential that cannot be released until the outer shell is broken. Now, I use that term because Jesus taught it that way. He said, your life is like a seed. A seed has an outer shell around it that protects it. But when that seed is sown into the ground, the elements bring about the breaking of the outer shell to do what? To release the inner potential. The potential is always there. You could take wheat or anything else and you could put it in a vase and make it look like a bouquet. But that is not fulfilling its potential. Its potential is there is life in that seed and it must produce. And it takes the elements to do that. And there is life of potential in every one of us. And it will take certain situations of life to break, 
to break that shell that our society, our mindset, the negativity of the world in which we live in has established the way we think and the way we view things. But God is saying, I have a dream for you. And because I do, I'm not going to leave you to yourself. I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to train you. No soldier becomes a soldier without discipline. Amen. Some of you have probably served in the military. But it is the breaking of you to reconstruct you to be more adequate and more capable of achieving what you never thought that you could achieve. And it's all through a process. God is doing the same with us. Whether you know it or not, you folks are not an accident. This was a dream one day, and I don't know whose dream it was, but brother, it was a dream and a vision, and a vision that brought about dedication. I guarantee you there was a lot of heartache, a lot of bewilderment, a lot of questions, a lot of things that went on from what it was to what it is today. But the reality is it achieved it by the effort. Something was taught and released through the process. To do what? To bring a group of people like yourself from various areas, various cultures, into a designated place that God is saying, there is something I want to do. I want to do something that is supernatural. I want to do something that is out of the ordinary. I want to do something that no man can look at and raise his hand and say, give me the credit for that. God is saying, I have created something unique that my name and my glory may go forth. What impact it's going to have, none of us know. But God has ordered our steps. And there's a destiny for you. There's not only a village in which you live, but there's a world beyond. An element that's got to be reached. And something has been created here that you are now a part of. And being a part of it, you bear responsibility. Amen. And God is expecting something from you more greatly because of the path he's brought you on. The marvelous thing is if you will rehearse David's life by scripture, not only the Psalms, but to go back into the writing of the prophet Samuel. Samuel gives you insight to the character that was developed in David. Because you see, that is what God is trying to develop in every one of us character, character of integrity and honesty, forthrightness, a life that is a reflection of the God we serve, that our, the manner in which we communicate, not only within this village, but beyond it in the workplace, we are a reflection of him in our attitudes and in our approach. But the Bible says by the writing of Samuel, and I'm going to read it to you, I haven't even got past the first note on my pages yet, so we'll see what time we've got here. I, I've been told we're on a time limit, so if somebody has a bell, ring it, because I don't see a clock anywhere, and I don't want to be disobedient to my pastor. Just, well, do it. Give me anything. Stand up and shout. I don't care what you do anyway. But anyway, here's my scripture. Here's my scripture. But let me tell you, before I get to that scripture that I want to share with you, 
I want you to know that there was another person in the scripture by the name of Joseph who was sold cheaply by his own siblings to a caravan that he became a slave and sold on an auction block to. The beautiful thing about it is, even though it's tragic that he was thrown in a pit, sold to a caravan, put on a, a stage, sold on an auction block, bought into the house of Potiphar, lied upon by Potiphar's wife, but here's the thing, for that one lie, he served 13 years in prison for a crime he never committed. He never got bitter, he never got resentful, because you see, he understood he had a destiny. However hard it was, he did not look at his circumstances, but he hold, held on to the promise that God said, you have got a destiny. This is just a preparation. The wonderful thing about Joseph's life, and I'm going to hurry with it, everywhere he went, the Bible says, the Lord was with him. Now, it didn't say he delivered him. It didn't say he changed the circumstance. It didn't say he would have prevented him from being sold a slave and separated from his household. But it did say the Lord was with him. And what the Bible says about Joseph, Christ has said about us. He never said he would not let life test you. But he did say, lo, I am with you always, always. There's no exception. Doesn't make any difference what you go through, whether it's a break in relationships, whether it's a breakdown in your health, whether it's a disruption of your economy. God said, I am with you always. And then he went further and said, to what limit? To the ends of the earth. There is no way that God is going to separate us from him. And the reason for David's success is simply the Bible says of him, if I can find it in my notes, let me see, because I do want to share it with you. It says in 1 Samuel 18 and 14 these words, and David behaved himself. In other words, he conducted himself. Everything was against him, but he did not allow his circumstance to dictate to his actions. He did not respond in the same way he was responded to. He chose to allow his character to reflect the God he served. So it says, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. And because of this, the Lord was with him. Amen. The Lord was with him. Now, I didn't say this a little while ago. I noticed nobody said amen, but that's all right. If you want to, just nod your head this way, but please don't do this. So the Lord was with him. Oh, there. Thank you. Very good. Good students. And the Lord is with us. Amen. The Lord is with us. Amen. Thank God for that. Because with all of the surroundings of the beauty, there are things that are going to come against us. But the Lord is with us. Thank God.
Proverbs says in 3 and 6, in all thy ways, talking to us now on a personal basis, in all, all, all takes it all, right? Amen. It takes in all. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. The steps of the good man are ordered of God. What we need to learn is what David said, and I'll close with this. Pastor hasn't stood, but I got a feeling I'm coming to the end. Paul wrote these words, and I don't know what you know about Paul, but uh, he was at one time, his um, other name, because he had both a, a Greek and a Hebrew name, he was called Saul. After conversion, he went to his Hebrew name, Paul. But Paul was a persecutor of folks just like us, and he was honest in his conviction. He believed that what he was doing was correct and it was right, but it was totally misled until he received a personal revelation from God. God smote him to the ground and his first words out of his mouth was, Lord, who art thou? And the Lord said to him, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Is it hard for you to kick against the pricks? Is it hard for you to accept something that's different than your tradition? A miracle transpired in that man's life until now. He, according to the New Testament, is considered the second most notorious, famous person, second to Jesus Christ. Basically, most of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. But Paul says to us in Romans 8 and 28 words that I hope you know, and if you don't, you learn them. He says, but all things. Now, there's no exception there, and Paul is speaking from experience. I've been through all things. But all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. You have a destiny, and you are called, and God has a purpose for you. And whatever we may be going through, we need to look at it differently because I've had to learn this lesson in my life. And I've complained, and I've murmured, and I've justified my actions, and I've said a lot of things, I've said, Lord, I've read your word. I've kept my devotions. I pay my tithes. I'm as good as I can be to people. I don't understand what's going on. But I found out that the Lord is trying to teach me more than just that. Amen. He's trying to teach me how to deal with myself in the face of my circumstance. To not let it control me but that I can control it. That whatever negativeness comes to me, I am a positive creature because Christ is now in me. And I can speak to that thing. I have the power to do that through the words of my mouth 
and say, you don't control me, but I control you. So I've looked at it and I've said, Lord, I don't understand your logic because your ways are certainly far, far above my ways. But I know this one thing, whatever you're taking me through, it's for my good. So let me learn what it is you want me to know that I can be stronger to face my ever whatever. Because you know what is before me. So don't let me grumble and complain because Lord, you know better than I do. You have ordered my steps and I thank you for that. God bless you this morning. It's been a delight to serve you.